You are listening to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast, episode 63. Hey, and welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm David. And we're the fanboys who strike back. Uh, we like to read comics and watch TV and read books and listen to music. And what we do is we come here afterwards and we like to uh, talk about everything that's been coming out lately. Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, done a show, so a lot of big things have been happening over the summer. So we want to kind of recap some of our favorite events that have been happening. And uh, be forewarned, because uh, we do talk about everything that happens in the book, sometimes at length, and uh, that includes spoilers. So um, you have been warned. And with that, uh, what we'd like to do is, uh, I think, start off talking about uh, the Dark Reign, the Marvel Dark Reign storyline, and specifically the Dark Avengers portion of that. And recently, Dark Avengers number nine has come out, and that's written by Brian Bendis, drawn by Mike Diodato. And my general feeling about this storyline is it's been going on for a long time now, and it's starting to feel like it. And this is a, a story, like, I'm interested in. I like it, like, the idea of the bad guys take over. What do you do? Like, And I found, like, a couple characters' positions, and especially Hawkeye or Ronan, um, really fascinating. And then I've enjoyed also watching the Dark Avengers be put into these, all these villains being put into these heroic roles. And then there's a couple that are kind of, like, in the middle ground, like um, Ares. Right. Like, he, he could always go either way. And it fourth and one... One of the former issues, like, you know, there, a lot of the Dark Avengers are bad guys. The good guys are going to have to are going to have to take him down at some point. But Ares is kind of the wild card because he's the, the god of war and, you know, how do you stop him? And at some point, someone's going to have to figure out a way to deal with him. And what this issue did was basically it looked at uh, Nick Fury's secret warriors, mm-hmm. and which includes uh, Ares' son, Phobos, and who's just a little boy. And what we see in this issue is Ares confronts Nick Fury about it. He finds Nick Fury, confronts him, he's like, why my son? Why are you recruiting my son? And basically it's like, to train him, to train him to fight back. And, and you, you know, you should be real proud of your son. You should see what he's accomplished. And and here's and then what struck me was especially Diodato's art, which I've always thought was okay. Uh, you know, I never had any huge uh, gripes against it or anything like that. But uh, it was really conveyed on Ares' face, like, he has no way to communicate really with his son. He's He is being a father figure to him the only way he knows how, which is really gruff and impersonal. But he doesn't want that to be the relationship that he has with his son. And that was what I thought was the best part of this story, is just the, the dialogue there. Right. And so, and you have a different opinion than I do. No, so, I, I like this. Um, I, I'm... I don't know how I feel about the Dark Reign storyline because it, it just, like I've said before, it, it feels like the Thunderbolts, which is, which you don't have a lot of history with, but I do. So it doesn't seem like there's anything new. I do like the Norman Osborn aspect of it. The idea of Norman Osborn being in charge of everything is something I find very interesting. But um, Yeah, but it's like the Thunderbolts on steroids. And at the true. same time, this is, like I said, this has been going on for a while, but with this issue, and just recently, it feels like the tide's starting to turn into the third act, 
where where things are going to start happening to resolve this storyline, and that's what I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, I think with this happening and with all all the list one shots being uh, that are starting recently, I think this is about to end. I think it's supposed to end by like November or something, maybe. But um, I guess I don't know. I I like this issue. I just feel like a whole lot of it didn't happen, and I also felt like this was. Because I'm reading this, and I'm reading Secret Warriors, and to me, this seemed like it's some, something that should have been in Secret Warriors. And that's just kind of a nitpick, but like I, I loved the dynamic between Ares and the Sun, and it's, like you said, it's, it's kind of, this is probably the most human that we've seen of Ares, because he, you can see, like you said, that like he's struggling with the fact that he does not know what to do. Like, he cannot relate to his son. He doesn't know how to raise the son. Like, you can tell that his son fears him, but his son also, like, wants to... He, his son respects him and wants, you know, his dad to be proud of him. And the, it was just really well done. But I, I also felt like, what is this... This shouldn't be in New Dark Avengers. This had to do with Nick Fury, Phobos. This should have been in Secret Warriors. Um, That's true. <laughs> That's true. And there was only, like, maybe three or four pages with the actual uh, Dark Avengers in this book, mm-hmm. which were which were great. It was a funny little interlude, but I agree with you. It probably is something that should have been in uh, Secret Warriors. Yeah, I mean, some good stuff that happened in this issue, though, is, like, Norman Osborn is, like, he's holding his little bunker, and he won't come out, and we're not sure what's going on with that. Like, is he losing it again? Does he have something planned? Because right now, it looks like he's he's snapping. It looks like he's going crazy. Yeah. So, like, you know, like I said, it's about the third act that is going to be turning here soon, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this story wrapping up. Yeah, I, I, as a whole, I've liked the story. I think a lot of people have complained about it. I think it's been great. I think it's been something new. I think it's been something different. I think when you have someone like Norman Osborn, it works because he is so smart, so it is believable. Um, and I think they're, they're doing it right because... It's going to be like a, what, a seven, eight-month thing where it came right out of the Secret Invasion, but it's not lasting. They're going to change it, and then they're going to get on with it, which is exactly what they should do. Yeah. So, and then staying with the same company, uh, what did you think of the X-Men Utopia crossover event? Um, was this really a, an event? I I mean, it was a crossover. It was, it was a some, crossover. Something I... that brought all the X-Books together. I'd say it's an X-Men event exclusively. I, I don't know. I really like Matt Fraction. Uh, I like his writing. I like what, like what he's done with the X-Men so far. It just seemed like uh, this was building into something really big. And then when the last issue came out, and it just ends up being that they have Asteroid M, they're living on Asteroid M as an island, that's Utopia now. It didn't really seem like that, that big of a deal to me. See, I think I, I liked the ending. I liked where it ended up because I think what that is is going to have ramifications for the rest of the world. And I think this is something that is going to be addressed in the Dark Avengers, the Dark Reign storyline, mm-hmm. um, because Norman Osborn is playing a very big media propaganda war against the mutant race. And the fact that he's forced them all off you know, onto this island, basically, is is a big deal. And he's still going after him, trying to get the, the uh, public vote behind him on the on the mutant issue thinking they're dangerous people and people aren't safe if the mutants are around which is ridiculous but at the same time i what i really liked was the the social and this is just something with x-men in general but i like the social uh 
kind of juxtaposition with you know real life type events, you know, in the X Men and stuff like that. So I think that was really good. Yeah, um, I, I just think some things were weird. Like they've made such a big deal in terms of showing that the X Men were moving to San Francisco and that they were going to be immersed in this culture and the city, and now they're not part of the city. And that doesn't really bother me, but I do think that's weird. Um, one thing that I really do like, but I also it could annoy me is. Um, Fraction, I mean, there's been kind of a line drawn between Scott and Emma now. I mean, Scott and Emma, has been, they've been back and forth. Emma, you're, you're always wondering if she's been bad or she's switching sides. And I think what Fraction has done has just really shown that, especially when they, he uh, has those conversations with Scott, Emma, and, and Hank, when Hank's like, there's too many secrets that are going around. These secrets are going to destroy us. As soon as I get back, we're going to have to talk about these secrets. And I'm just hoping that this is something that's not going to be a runaround again. Because the Scott, Emma, do they trust each other? What's going on? I mean, that's getting really old. And so I'm hoping that he's just finally going to do something with it. Go head on and just say, okay, this is how things are going to be. And I have faith that Fraction will do that. Yeah, and there's a there's a one shot coming out called like the confession or something like, or right. not the, something like that. But because it's they, an yeah, they they alluded to a scene where Scott and Emma are talking in their bedroom, and it looks like it's a pretty a pretty big scene. And then there's a little bubble like if you want to know what happens, read X Men: The Confession. It's just like oh, yeah. But you know that might be addressed later. But I think what this event did was also. It did cement Emma kind of on the side of good. Whether or not she stays with Scott is another issue, you know, in in the relationship. But I think she's definitely going to stay on the side of Xavier's dream rather than where she was before. Yeah. You know, I think she she prides herself on being a mutant. I think she wants to do what's best for her people. I think that is always a part of her character since since she's been brought over to the good side, basically. Very true. And I, and I think that he portrays that very well. Like, the fact that, like, it's not even about Xavier's dream or it's not about the X-Men. It's just the fact that she wants to do what she thinks is going to be the best for the human race. Right. And I like that. Yeah, me too. So, okay. And then, uh, the thing that's just everywhere this summer is Blackest Night. Oh, he sees Blackest Night. Night. Big, little, big little event. event. over there. Little, oh, this is... This is popcorn movie at its finest. This is um, the most messed up thing. I, like, just <laughs> take your childhood heroes, kill them all. They got people ripping out hearts, people just being mean, people getting killed. <laughs> people just being mean. They're just mean. That's the worst part. Is that, is that these black lanterns? They're just so mean. It's like they come back and just talk shit. <laughs> they're just saying <laughs> such awful things. It's true. It's uh, it, they they do more than just physically rip out your heart. They emotionally rip out your heart. No, it's it's great. I've I've been loving it, and um, you know, I was kind of surprised by how much they were able to get away with in the first issue. And since then, it's been build, building, building, building. And uh, issue number three just came out, and get into act two now, where we got a lot of uh, explanation on the Indigo Lanterns and what might possibly stop black lanterns right so because before we had no, no idea what was what it was going to take and um I, i've enjoyed every bit of it what this series is doing is it's taking a real hodgepodge of characters and especially characters like firestorm who you know firestorm's cool and all but i have no emotional attachment to the character mm -hmm. and without going too deep into what happened in this issue uh 
basically a, a character dies and I was really caught up in the, in the scene. Like I was emotional that like, I had this feeling of dread the whole time. Like something that you see is, you know, is going to happen. That's going to be bad. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing the characters on the page can do to stop it. And I haven't read an issue like that since, uh, since identity crisis with yeah. the, the Tim Drake, Jack Drake scene. That's exactly how I felt. Like, you knew exactly what was going to happen, and you knew that there was nothing that anyone could do to stop it. And, like, I, I like Firestorm. He's kind of a minor character. I have a mild interest in him. But after this issue, like, I want to go read about... Like, I want to know what's going to happen. I want to go read a Firestorm book. Which, you know, I, I can't say I would ever think that before. Yeah, and that's what's great about this series, is what it's, you know, taking those characters and putting more of a spotlight on them. And... What I think DC's done really smart is, uh, you know, Superman, Batman, uh, the Titans, you know, they haven't really shown up in the main book, and they're getting these spinoff books, but they're not imperative to the reading process of Blackest Night. It's like, if you want to know how these characters are going to uh, deal with this issue in their own little pocket of the DCU, then you can go read the spinoff books, but you don't have to read them for the main story. It's just kind of, like, icing on the cake at that point. And uh, and so far, all the spinoffs have been pretty good, actually. So I was I was really happy with the way the whole product has been turning out so far. Um, you know, just and at its core, it's a Green Lantern story. Which uh, my girlfriend was asking me about this uh, last week when I was reading the issue. I was like, well, you know, it's the third part of a story that really started in about like 2004 with Rebirth, and I was like, geez, you know, this. This story is like four years of payoff finally coming out right now, which is just so awesome as a fan. Yeah, this is it, this is pretty amazing, especially with this. I mean, it seems like Jeff Johns with issue three and four, he really starts kicking into gear. I remember, I will always remember Infinite Crisis number three because that's when like you found out all the stuff that was happening in the DC universe for the past three years. Uh, Flash Rebirth number three and four, that's when stuff really started to happen. Um, and then this one, issue number three, we finally have we finally see the Indigo Lanterns, which we they've only been alluded to. We don't really know what's going on and. They come in, they're like, okay, this is what's going to happen, this is what's, you know, this is the info that you need, let's go, let's get rolling. Like, this one felt like this is where the tide is about to turn. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, it doesn't feel like any, there's any sacred cows in the story then, because, and I'm, you know, it's kind of ridiculous to say Aqualad is a sacred cow, but mm-hmm. for years they haven't done anything with him, and they need to do something with him, and then in, in the second issue they killed him, and I was like, holy crap, they killed... They killed Aqualad, like he's, you know, he, he's dead. Like, I just, and it's and stupid. Like, I'm, I'm a big Teen Titans fan, and I love the original Titans, but, again, they haven't done anything with him. Even when they came back with the, the new Titans book, this right. is all the originals, he wasn't even in that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of funny, but at, at the same time, you know, it doesn't, you know, the, the Hawks went down the first issue, right. and, you know, the Hawkman, he's a huge Hawkman and Hawk girl, big JLA, JSA characters, you know, yeah, so that where, where's that going to be filled? Yeah. So uh, I, I was shocked by, by what they're allowing him to get away with on, on some of these. But I love it. I, I don't think there should be any sacred cows. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what's going to happen. Like, who's going to be the big bad behind all this, which I think it's been leaked, but I haven't, I haven't found out, so I don't really want to know. And yeah. then there, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of people coming back. There's a lot of people dying. What's that? What is that going to mean? Like, are these people going to be dead? Because I mean, I think the whole idea of this was to show, like, it was you know commentary on death in the DCU and comic books and what does that mean? 
So it should be very interesting to see what happens um, after this. And then another thing that I really wanted to say real quick, which I really loved, was that they, when the Indigo Lanterns were talking, um, they kept on speaking about compassion and how, basically how it's lacking in the universe. They, kept, they keep on like alluding to the fact that there should be more, or if only more people can use this power. And I thought that that was really cool, because it makes sense. Especially in like the current state of everything. Yeah, and I, I, I like that too. And I like that Ray Palmer was the one who yeah. they were they were drawn to because I've actually I've been going back and rereading Identity Crisis lately, and and man, yeah, I love that story so much. And really, at the end of it, it it it, it hits him the hardest in that book. So, and he's really like ever since the story, he's been kind of a ruined character. There's they they can't use him without always bringing that up, basically. Yeah, so, that's that's like the whole mean thing. Like having um, elongated man back, and it's it's just the fact like he doesn't have to do anything. It's just the stuff that he's saying to Ray. It's just like, dude, come on, not cool. Him, him and Sue, yeah, it, uh, that was it, it was rough. But it's been but, it's been amazing. But it's good. It creates good drama. And speaking of there not being any sacred cows, rest in peace, Bruce Wayne. But man, I am loving and Damian Wayne in Batman and Robin. And pretty much all the Batman books, but Batman and Robin has been awesome. And I know you have specifically, you know, with the X Men, uh, Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly team. And I've I've even tried to read that, and it's it's maybe just not my cup of tea. But on Batman and Robin, the first three issues, they just knocked it out of the park. It was it was Batman. It felt like Batman, but at the same time, you get a whole new dynamic. You get new characters that. You know, I've never really been invested in Damien before, and I I didn't really like him. But mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, you put him in that costume, and you make him a reluctant team player, and and he becomes compelling because all of a sudden he he has a legacy to follow up to now. Right. And and it's been it's been great. And now issue four has come out with uh, with Philip Tan on the book, which is decidedly a. Uh, a big change in the tone of the book because his pencils are a lot, his pencils and inks are, uh, not his inks, but the inks on the book are a lot darker. Yeah. And so I think some of the whimsy of the first three issues is gone and it feels a lot more like, uh, the Batman book or, or any other of the more noirish Batman books. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's still been really good. The dynamic has been really interesting. The fact that they can make me care about Damien and, you know, it, for, at first I was really pissed that Tim Drake's not in the Robin suit anymore. But at this point, I'm I'm perfectly fine if Tim stays Red Robin forever, and we get a new Robin that we can see mature into a hero, which is which is a big thing for me to say. Yeah, no, that's huge. Um, I am actually I don't really like the Batman and Robin book, um, but I really like the what Batman's doing. Like, I can't. You know, I, I the last time I regularly bought Batman was Hush, which was, mm-hmm. I don't that was know, how, 2001, 2002? Two, something like that, yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying this, and more than anything, I'm really enjoying uh, the Batman book by Judd Winnick and Mark Bagley, because if you put Mark Bagley on anything, I'm going to love it. Um, and I, I... I, I don't know about Batman and Robin. I, I'm not a big Morrison Quietly fan. I like the colors. I, I'm a little bit iffy on the art, but I understand why everyone's going crazy about it. I can say that. Like, it's it doesn't appeal to me, 
but I get it at the same time. You know what I mean? You can see the craft behind the book. Yes, definitely. Um, what I, I, it's a little bit disappointing though, because I feel like what, I feel like the meat of the story really is happening with what Winnick is doing in Batman. Because Batman Robin, it's Dick, you know, helping out Damien and they're established, but I really feel like in the Batman book, it's like, this is the transition. This is where we're really focusing about Dick being Batman. And little things where you have Two-Face um, hunting him down because Two-Face knows that that's not Bruce. And I love the fact that, especially with Bagley's art, when you see Batman fighting and they keep on showing that he's smiling. And the way that he's moving, you can tell that it's Dick. And the the, the, the internal monologue and the stuff that he's talking about, how he's being, he's being so self-conscious about making sure that people see him and making sure that he's known and making sure that like it's it's just been great like i've been i've been having such a fun time with it and i i think Winnick's leaving but i hear that he's coming back and um overall the stuff that you said with damien i i definitely agree with i think he's a great character i think the dynamic between him and dick is just so well written and so well done i'm a little hesitant on tim drake being red robin because it's kind of that we talked about before is that it's it's out of it's totally out of character for him to be acting this way but it, it makes sense but it might be going a little bit too far like he might be a little bit too angry and it's i don't know it's, yeah it, i i had it forced i i had a problem with that too but at the same time it's like we've talked about for years how how maligned tim's character has has been and like how much crap can can one person take and for so long, like, it didn't show. And then finally you started to see the cracks in the armor. And I think with Bruce, quote-unquote, dying, like, that was that was it. That was the breaking of the dam for, for him. And so it was this breakdown moment. And now we're on issue three or four, four of that book, I think. And um, He just found the cave. He found the cave. And what was nice was they did a flashback to finally him leaving Gotham and, and kind of having it out with Dick one last time and basically saying, you know, hey, you know, I, I have to do this. I know all the evidence is stacked against me, but, you know, if you're, you know, if you're, you're really my brother, you, yeah, you have to trust good. me. Yeah. I've, I've earned this. And I, and at that moment, like, I'm getting the lump in my throat. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> this is, this is just the, the drama that I want. <laughs> and, you know, because he told Dick, like, you always said that we're equals. So let me do this. Yeah. It's like, if, if we are equals, you know, if we are truly equals, if we're brothers, you know, it's like, don't, don't let, Damien screw up the legacy that you and I have built, and and at first I kind of thought, well, wait, you know, I'm, as Robin, because at first I keep forgetting Dick was Robin for now for oh, some yeah, reason. It's been forever. You, you know, and I was just like, yeah, you know, they built up this this legacy that has to be withheld, and that was Tim's whole thing with when he became Robin was was maintaining that legacy, and so I like that he's he's this character now, and and if Red Robin is going to be his, you know, I I like the costume, I. I think it's a good move for Tim. It's kind of in between, you know, Robin and Batman. So, and the fact that I think that he found the cave and I like that he was just like, he mentioned that he was, he's stayed in there smiling for an hour. Mm -hmm. And so I think that gave him a lot of hope. And so I think we're going to see him thaw out a little bit. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think we just need him to just relax or something just a little bit. And that would make the book so much easier to read. And I think you're right. I think with him finding the cave, I think that might, that might do it. But, uh, yeah, no. I, have two I think another for you though. Okay, go ahead. Uh, one, who is this uh, Red Hood? Who's who's this going to be? 
Because it's not Jason, right? Because last time we saw Jason, he was dressed up as Batman. Well, we don't know. At the end of Battle for the Cal, he told Dick, like, you're going to see me sooner than you think. Right. And then, and then he fell in the river, and the last Red Hood was Jason. And the only Red Hood that ever acted as a vigilante was Jason. So it could be Jason. It might not be. And there was a great. There was actually a really great speech in the middle of Batman and Robin Four about he's talking to his new partner, mm-hmm. and this this is who you are now. You, you can use it, and it, you know it, it was really well done. It showed a lot of insight into the into the character, and I'm I'm kind of invested in seeing who this ends up being. You know, I wouldn't mind it if it was Jason. I I'd be fine with that. Yeah. But um, but no, I'm 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 interested, in it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, second question. Uh, what's going on with this Batner, Batgirl business? Stephanie is That's Batgirl now? Stephanie Brown is Batgirl, which I like the book, but I can see it has a lot of flaws to it. <laughs> yeah, I, haven't, I, I haven't picked it up. I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, well, basically, they start off with uh, her and Cassandra Kane as Batgirl and spoiler, and Cassandra just basically says, like, eh, I'm done. Bruce isn't around anymore, and I was fighting for his ideals, so I'm not going to fight anymore. And she just takes off the costume and vanishes, basically, <laughs> like in in one scene. <laughs> she just starts stripping off the costume after fighting a bunch of bad guys, and was like, turns her Stephanie turns around, she was gone. So Stephanie takes the costume, has been going out moonlighting as bad girl, um, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Uh, Barbara Gordon is found out and is kind of monitoring her and trying to dissuade her from from the life. Which is kind of interesting because they're playing on the whole like how bad Stephanie screwed up during the war game storyline, which eventually got her killed, right. which you know quote unquote killed. And um, uh, but if you can get past all that baggage and forget about everything, you know, of getting her into the costume and everything like that, and all that, what I'm really enjoying is just the story of this girl. Like she's she's going into her freshman year of college, so she's dealing with that. She's dealing with uh, you know crime fighting at night. And then she, the, the interesting dynamic is her mom knows she's a superhero and thinks she quit. So she's hiding that she's a superhero, but her mom already knows, which is an interesting dynamic to play with. So really, you got this old school type of like you know, Robin or Spider-Man type of storyline where it's like go to school during the day, fight crime at night. And I always like those stories. And I like Steph, I like Stephanie Brown as a character if you take away, you know, all the, the, mal, the, the mistreatment of her and all the baggage that goes with her character, and just forget about it, and just look at what's in front of you. It's actually been book. So we're we're two issues in. It looks like Stephanie's going to be getting a new costume soon, which they just spoiled in the back of all the DC books. Right. But she's been just using Cassandra so far. But um, and and then Barbara's going to act as kind of a a guide or a mentor, which is good. They're kind of doing a little uh, poor treatment of Barbara's character, like she's kind of jealous or angry or she's a lot more angry in this book than I've ever seen her be hmm. so that I'm not cool with but but as far as Stephanie's character it's been it's actually been a pretty fun book so far okay, cool. but it, it, it's not on the same level as like Batman or Detective or Batman and Robin but for, for a lower tier book it's been pretty good like a second tier book right. and then um, going back to us talking about Tim Drake as well the, the thawing out of his character I think is going to also we're going to see a little bit more of that next month when he uh, guest stars in Adventure Comics number three. Oof. This is, you know, between Blackest Nights um, and Max Mercury coming back in Flash Rebirth, which was amazing, and then Adventure Comics. 
I'm I'm having a, a pretty good time with DC right now. I'm telling you, they brought back Connor, Bart, Max Mercury, and now and now uh, Connor gets his own book. You, you know, th- those are your DC people. So this is, no, this is, this is like it's exactly when I started re- reading DC. It's like exactly, it's going right back into it. It's just it's awesome. And both the writing and the art on that book have just been spectacular. And the last issue with uh, with Cassie showing up and the kind of the discussion about their relationship and where they would be now and, and everything like that was just so good. And, you know, the whole, what, what would Superman do? What would Lex Luthor do? They're really playing with that dynamic that it seems like Jeff John set up in his early run of Titans by saying, yeah, he's also half, uh, Superboy's also a half clone of Lex Luthor, but then he didn't really get to explore it because he left the book and infinite crisis happened and, you know, Connor went away. So you only got, like, one storyline where he went kind of bad, and then he sat on the bench for a good long time. And so now we're really getting to play with that idea and, and see him choosing his own destiny. And, and that's what I really like. And then dealing with coming back into his life. Like like I said, last last issue we got Cassie, and next issue we get Tim, which I'm so looking forward to. Yeah, that's going to be good. And it's cool because there are so many things left up in the air, like you said. Like, the last time we saw him, he was struggling with the fact that he was... You know, clone of Lex, and we only saw him basically fail in terms of that. Like he stopped being Superboy, he came back and after the crisis and he died. But for the most part, it was just him saying, "Oh, I found out I'm a clone of Lex Luthor. My life sucks. It's horrible." This is him saying, "Okay, I know this, but I also know that I'm the clone of Superman. And so, what do I need to do to be like Superman?" Um, and some of the, the best part about this is that uh, we kind of always make the analogy of sometimes when you read comics and then it's like watching Saved by the Bell if you have that teen drama that's a perfect mix this conversation between Connor and Cassie was so well done because it, it wasn't like you would think that they might um, drag out the stuff that happened because after Connor died she ended up kissing Tim and there was kind of a relationship there and then there was going to be all this weirdness but it was just like She's like, up front, she's like, hey, this happened? And he's like, you know what? You thought I was dead. It's all right. And I'm just like, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for just letting it just be nice and easy. It was just a great read. Um, And then I've become a Legion fan also. And the Legion backup in this issue was actually really, really good. Yeah, I haven't, I mean, the Legion, I'm still not sold on the Legion, but I do like, going back to what you were saying before, I do like that they address the, the past issue. They don't dwell on it. They just address it, move past it. Boom, we're still going to continue on looking forward. And that's that's what's great about this book. So, you know, I, I didn't think I'd see a Superboy book in a long time. Wow. So this has been really, really good. Yeah, it's so, so nice to have that back. So, so yeah, I mean, I, lately it's been nice for me because uh, maybe several months back, when the hiatus on all the bad titles and uh, Dark Rain was kind of starting off, I, I wasn't really feeling good about comics. And I was kind of, you know, only picking up a couple books a week into it. And lately, I think at the beginning of summer, we just got this resurgence. Like, the bad books came back. Flash Rebirth, um, you know, Blackest Night, uh, Dark Avengers, all these books came out. And, and the ultimate, the new Ultimate Spider-Man book, which has been fantastic that it didn't change a bit. Yeah. Which I'm so happy about, and and it's been great. And so, uh, lately, personally, I feel like comics. This is a great time to be a comic book reader. And I I know we're we're basically just gushing over all these books that we're talking about, mostly. But 
um, really honestly, it's been it's been a a great time, great great year to be a comic book fan. Yeah, it really is, especially right now because we've seen a lot of big events end that should have ended that maybe went on a little bit long, like Secret Invasion, and so there's a lot of fresh stuff going um, going on in the Marvel universe right now, and then we're seeing. DC's doing it right, because they have a huge event, like Blackest Night, but that's not affecting any of the real other books at all. Like, it's it's a wonderful event, and it's self-contained to Green Lantern and the core books, and there's a couple of times, like you said. But other than that, they're just doing solid stories that have nothing to do with Blackest Night. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, it, it's, I'm glad that's how they're handling it. Mm-hmm. And you can get, you can get the Blackest Night tie-ins if you want. If you don't want to, you don't have to. So, yeah, and the, and the, like you said, they've been they've been pretty good, and it's cool. You don't have to get them, but uh, it's like like you said, it's icing on the cake. Well, when you've got Jeff Johns and Pete Tomasi working on them, it's true. I mean, you got your heavy hitters out there, so why not? So, all right, well, that does it for uh, for us this week. It's good to be back. Um, like Eric said, um, we were on hiatus for a while. Life got in the way, but it's 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 fun to to come back just talk comics for a while especially like eric said because it's been so good you know there's a lot of times where doing the podcast cannot be fun because some of the books are not great but right now everything seems to be pretty solid it makes you want to talk about comics yeah, so. Exciting. so yeah and and like i said we've been there's there's been some moving going on with both of us and uh and and a whole lot of crazy stuff happening in life so so uh, we're we're happy to be happy to be back. Um, you can continue to find us on iTunes. Um, yeah, you can find us iTunes Podcast Alley. Uh, stop by the site fanboystrikeback.com or fanboystrikeback.blogspot.com. You can just uh, download the shows directly there. Um, you can shoot us an email at contact at fanboystrikeback.com if you have any questions or comments on the show. We can play them on the show. Um, and yeah, we uh, thank you guys for listening. All right. Well, hopefully we'll uh, talk to you soon.